Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 2, Episode 2, for Saturday the 8th of August 2020. Coming up this week, thanks to a tip-off from a couple of podcast listeners, all of my thrillers are now listed wide again. The Don't Tell Meg trilogy makeover is complete. I now have updated interiors and paperback covers. I'm abandoning Publish Drive for Google Play. Why on earth would I want to do that? I will explain all. Plus, I have BookBub news for you. First, though, let's get on with the writing update. And uh, I got more words done than I should have done this week, which I'm quite pleased about. Fall from Grace currently stands at around 22.5 thousand words. And this week, since I last spoke to you on the podcast diary, I've written 11,296 words. Now, I've, I've kind of lost the plot a little bit because I was writing in in blocks. And then on Thursday, my wife was at work, but not properly at work. She was at work for just a couple of hours. And so I had another writing session on Thursday and I've got out of sync with the way I was constructing the book. It doesn't really matter. It makes no difference because all the chapters are planned, but I've just kind of slightly lost the plot with it at the moment. I think I'm a chapter ahead of what I should be. Oh, and the other thing was, that's that's why I'm, that's why it's gone wrong this week. Because when I, I probably told you about this, I can't remember whether I told you about it, but when I was writing the previous book, um, the one that's in editing at the moment, which is Trust Me Once, I wrote a chapter towards the end of the book and it was the wrong place for it. It was a great chapter and it needed to come into the overall story, but it was the wrong place for it. I was I was needed to build the tension towards the end of that book. So what I did with it is I took that chapter out and I parked it in the new Scrivener file for Fall from Grace and thought, right, that's great. I'll just put, build that in later. It needs to come in sequentially just a little bit later. And so that I I brought that scene into the book this week. It was in about chapter 10, I think it was, somewhere around there. And I just re- rewrote the beginning of that chapter very slightly just to weave it into what had happened beforehand. And and so I'm, I'm effectively out of sync now with the way that I was writing. So I'm a little bit confused. So it's probably easier if I tell you those word counts, which is total 22,500, and then this week's writing, 11,296. And I've taken off the 1,566 words. I haven't counted those 1,566 words in my weekly total that went into that mystery chapter that moved from one book to the other. So, yeah, I wrote double words on Thursday, which I'm, again, I've done that just a couple of times during lockdown. My wife, the library's all open on Monday, and my wife, they're they're not doing full days, so my wife's, there's no element of normality to this at all, but they're doing half days, so I think four-hour shifts, which is enough for me to write three chapters. So what I'm half planning to do is that on, on the days that my wife is in, I think I might try and get back to my 5,000 word count. So the minute she's out the door, I'll start writing and then I'll put myself under pressure to make sure I've got 5,000 words written by the time she gets back. I find that discipline really good and I've missed that. But I didn't think I'd be able to achieve it during lockdown. But by having a couple of days, um, I haven't written 5,000 a day since lockdown, but I have written 3,500 a day since lockdown. So I think I'm okay with it. I'm planned that if I just think a little bit more about it, because obviously there's a big difference between writing 1,700 and 5,000 words, I'll just make sure I'm slightly more prepared than I might be if I do that. But I think I'm going to shoot for 5,000 words. Reason for that is... If I can get back to 5,000 word days, even though my wife's working life is completely disrupted, but if I can keep that discipline of writing those words when she's at work, I will be able to get those books finished much faster. 
and if we ever get to Spain, that's going to be good in terms of me packing up and, and you know doing all those sorts of things. So it would suit me very much if I could finish writing those books a lot earlier. They don't need to be released any earlier or go to the editor any earlier, but it would help me to have them written a bit earlier. So I am going to shoot for that on uh, next Thursday, and I'll let you know how I get on in next week's diary. And of course, the revised covers for Don't Tell Meg have come in from Stuart Bache. Now, I've gone all the way through Don't Tell Meg. When I originally wrote those books, I don't know why I did this. You know, you just get into a pattern and, and it just took me a while to think, why am I doing that? I, I used to write my book. So Don't Tell Meg originally was 18 chapters. Uh, they were they were big chapters and each chapter had three parts and each part was about 1,700 words. So basically each chapter was a day's writing of 5,000 words. I don't know why I did it like that. And, and what I've done now is I separate the books out because I prefer books. So many people tell me, even my mum told me this way, my mum's now reading my thrillers and she loves them, which I'm really pleased about because she started reading my sci-fi. I know my mum's got no interest in sci-fi whatsoever. And I knew she'd struggled with the sci-fi. And I did say to her, mum, don't read it. Don't have to read it just because I wrote it. You don't, and you won't necessarily enjoy it just because I wrote it. But I, I did think she'd enjoy the thrillers. So I gave her I sent her the paperbacks of the Left 4 Dead trilogy, the uh, Morecambe Bay trilogy, and she loved it. She couldn't put it down. I'm really pleased about that because my mum, we we teased my mum for ages because she'd seen Little Dorrit on the telly and she had Little Dorrit on her coffee table. And, and she must have had it there for, for a couple of years. And I used to say to her, how are you getting on with Little Dorrit, Mum? And of course, you know, it was a, a triumph of hope over reality. And speaking of somebody who studied Little Dorrit for an A-level, and I once had to read Little Dorrit in a week. It's something like I had the, the Penguin book is something like 850 words. And I divided it over, a, is it five days or seven days? So I, let's say 850 pages share seven days. Yeah, I, I read 120, at least 121 pages of Little Dorrit when I was revising it uh, per night over a, a course of a week when I did A-levels. And so I, I know what it's like. It's, it's all right for a story, but it's not riveting. And it's certainly 850 pages. 850 pages worth of riveting and I said to me mum you know you're better off just watching it on the telly and enjoying the core story rather than struggling through 850 pages of stuff that was written you know over 100 years ago and um, and eventually she sort of she gave she gave it up and you often see my mum struggling with books and then she'll she'll get one and she should you know she should just relax with the books and read stuff that she enjoys but she, she, she often tries to read stuff that she feels she ought to be reading. And I just say to her, Mum, you know, if you enjoy it, read it. If you don't like it, just get rid of it. And I was delighted that she loved my Morecambe Bay trilogy. And she wanted to read Don't Tell Meg. I, she'd got the original versions of Don't Tell Meg. And I said, well, can you just hang fire on that? I'll send you the new versions. There's, there's not huge changes in there, but I'd rather you read the new versions. So I'll send her the new versions now I've got them. And instead, just to keep her going, I sent her So Many Lies. I said, read that one. That's I said, it's not... It's not based on Dad's 70th birthday, but it was inspired on it by it because um, at the time for my dad's 70th, we all uh, we rented this one of these huge houses, you know, and we all had young kids at the time and everything. And uh, as I do, I was observing a lot of it and thinking, oh, this is this is good stuff for a story. All these things go into stories, don't they? All these experiences. And it's not our family. It's nothing to do with our family. Uh, but it was inspired by the kind of family dynamics of people's, uh, some people's kids doing things that other parents disagreed with, you know, older parents saying things that younger generations disagreed with. You know what it's like, these great big family hodgepodges. They're, they're beautiful uh, drama for books. And so, so many lies is, is not based on what we did at all 
it's just extrapolated from it. And so I sent her that and said, ever read of that? See if you recognise any of that. And when we were playing Scrabble yesterday, she says, oh, I'm really enjoying it. I like your writing style. So what, what I get from a lot of people, and I've had this a lot because I've had so much feedback from my Facebook ads, is a lot of people said they haven't read for a long time, but they find my books really easy to read. And I've always said to you, I don't write literary fiction. That's not the aim. I write um, simple to read books. They're not clever or complicated in any way. And I'm, if you know your, your UK papers, I'm like a sun journalist who, who kind of writes, I write simply uh, rather than, than in, a, in a complicated way. And I'm picking this up a lot now for readers. I've had, it's been really useful doing these Facebook ads because I've had so much feedback. And so many people have said, I haven't read for years, but I find your style so easy to read, which I'm really pleased about. And my mum said the same thing to me. I just find them really easy to read. And, that, and they are, they're written that way. They're, they're written, I don't have long sentences. Very, very rarely do you get a long sentence, a very long sentence in one of my, one of my books. They tend to be short, sharp, snappy sentences. The dialogue tends to be short, sharp and snappy. And, and people seem to find that very interesting. And, and those are the kind of books I like to read because I don't have an awful lot of time to read. And I also find it difficult to read. You know, if, I, if your book doesn't grab me instantly, I'll be out of there. I just got the attention span of a gnat. Uh, but when I find a book that I'm enjoying, I can't put the thing down. Unfortunately, I find it hard to find a book like that that just completely grabs me. I, I got a psychological thriller I'm reading at the moment on my um, Kindle and I, I'm reading it thinking you know some people have said that don't tell Meg is slow and I'm reading this thinking you know, really what has happened here in this book very, very little has happened in this book and it's got all these plaudits and, and accolades and, 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 I, and I really don't get it to be honest with you I'm, I, I shall keep pushing through it because I want to understand how I get from where I am to, to where that book is because it's a you know it's a book with lots of accolades and has done very well I need to understand the difference between what I'm doing and that really uh, I think but um, I, I struggle to see it sometimes um, it just seems like an awful lot of domestic drama not an awful lot happening whereas there's a, there's a lot happening in my books my wife has said to me there's always something happening in your books you could she said you could actually let them breathe a little bit more if you wanted them to but I, but I don't want to I, I want people to pick them up and not be able to put them down um, so anyhow, you know, that, that's just a, a by the by. But it was nice to have my mum finally reading. Uh, you know, I wouldn't expect her for one minute to like my nonfiction or my sci-fi. But I did feel that my thrillers were her kind of thing. And I'm, I'm delighted that she's devouring them now. It's, it's nice when a member of your family, um, you know, could enjoy your work, isn't it? I think. So that's the writing update. As far as editing is concerned, I've been turning my attention this week to End of Men. Now, End of Men is the literary sci-fi book that I started writing first thing in the new year so I was writing my podcast book and this end of men book um, alongside each other and then I got uh, I thought I got further into it. it's about nine or ten chapters into it and I decided to put end of men to the to the side and just focus on the non-fiction and that was then completely overtaken when we went into lockdown because I just wrote exclusively non-fiction for a couple of months during lockdown. I didn't want to touch fiction at that time. So it's been interesting to return to End of Men. And I still like the bare bones of the story. I was trying to work out today. I don't think I'm going to continue it. I'm going to, I've, got, I've done six chapters. I'm going to do the, 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 the last three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. I'm just doing a chapter a day. So a very lightweight kind of editing. I think... I still think the story's good. I still think there's a story there. I've changed a lot of the language in, in it to just make it more informal. It was quite formal 
and, and, and it didn't work well. And my wife said, just just write how you normally write. Do the do the dialogue how you normally write. So I've, I've changed that. Didn't really need to change a lot of detail in it. I do think that the world needs a little bit of thought. I, I, I told you this. I can remember telling you this ages ago in the diary, saying that I hadn't quite, in terms of world building, I, I'd used names for things, technology and things like that, that weren't quite good enough, but they would do as placeholders for now. That I knew what I was referring to, you know, like so for televisions. I can't. Sometimes I call them just the screens or something like that. But I need a cooler name. Uh, I don't want it to be television. I don't want it to be screens. It needs to be, you know, the newsfeed or something like that. So I haven't quite got the word build right, and I don't mind that because I can come back and do that retrospectively. Or a lot of the time, something cool just occurs to me as I'm going along. I thought, oh, right, that's that's what I'll call that. Because naming things is is quite an important part of sci-fi, coming up with cool names for for guns and contraptions and devices that isn't just computer. It's nice to come up with something a bit cooler if you can. So, so there's there's a few things there. The core story's there, but I tell you, I think I put my finger on it today. I think that why I'm not quite happy with that story is that it's too much of a told story at the moment. It's me telling the story rather than the story happening. I think that's what's wrong with it. It feels like I'm telling too much of it. Um, and, and more of it needs to be placed in action and interactions, I think. So it's not getting abandoned yet, but it, it probably is getting tucked to the side. I really think there's something there, but it ain't quite there yet. So I'll finish those three chapters and it'll get parked again for a little while. Um, and and I'll, I'll just think about it because... I know exactly what I'm doing for the next couple of months, and that is obviously writing this Morecambe Bay trilogy. I think the other thing is, is things are so uncertain around whether we'll be going to Spain or not at the moment. There's so much uncertainty in the air. I just feel like I'm trying to hit many moving targets at the moment. So I think it's easier if I just say, look, here's the the, the fixed target that I'm trying to hit at the moment is to get this second Morecambe Bay trilogy done. And that will be done by the end of October. And if we go to Spain, that's great. That's perfect timing for Spain. If we don't, then I'll have to rethink things. And I've got a list of, of kind of what's penciled in to come next. And as I was writing Morecambe Bay trilogy the other day, and I was I was I've been reading End of Men and thinking, oh, it's not quite there yet. And I had thought I would come back to End of Men as my next writing project. But what I am thinking of from a business point of view now is I think from a business point of view, purely from a mercenary I want to make some cash point of view, I suspect that another three books in the Morecambe Bay series is what would come next. Now I've said to you for a long time, I've never written in series. I've said to you that I don't really want to write a series as such, a series that's made up of nine or ten uh, consecutive standalone books, because that feels like a bit of a, a reach for me. If if, if they don't work, I'll, I'll feel like I've wasted a lot of time. So so what I've gone for is a combination of what I'm comfortable with and I have, I've had most success with, which is, is writing and marketing trilogies. And so You've got Morecambe Bay Trilogy 1. I'm writing Morecambe Bay Trilogy 2 at the moment. If I then write Morecambe Bay Trilogy 3, then that's actually a series of nine books. Now, this also ties into the BookBub news that I've got for you later on this week and, and me just thinking about marketing and how I pick up from the success that I've had this year and I, and I move it forward. 
so I am minded to uh, again if we go to Spain I was saying to my wife the other day if we're going to Spain this is something that we'll need to do before we go to Spain I'll need to go down to Morecambe again and take photographs and recce the locations that I want to use get plenty of photographs of those before we go to Spain because if you go to Spain I, I won't be back in the UK for at least a couple of months and, and that'll be closed off to me so I'm thinking that if straight when we go to Spain even if we stay in the UK what might be coming next is another three Walker Bay books to give me a full series of books. So I, I, I then have, I've pretty well kind of done everything that I can. I've got a series, I've got standalones, I've got trilogies, uh, I've got different genres. I, I've pretty well tried everything. But what's penciled in at the moment is another Walker Bay series. Uh, and by the way, the, the three trilogies have an overall arc. So I know what's going to happen to my protagonist at the end of book nine. She's on a trajectory, a personal trajectory, where she's quite broken at the beginning of book one, and, and she won't be at the end of book nine. She'll have this amazing um, success in her new life at the end of book nine. And so you'll have an arc across the nine books. I know what that arc is already, although I'm not quite sure what the, um, I don't quite, I'm not quite sure what the, the adventure is, the mystery is. I do tend to like within a trilogy to have a theme and the, the the theme of of the first Walker Bay trilogy was very much how the events of the past never escape you. In this second trilogy, the theme is very much uh, based upon a project that I did at the BBC many years ago that still makes the impact of which I still carry with me now. A project called The Search, which I may have told you told you about before. It was when I was working at BBC Radio Humberside. I was a presenter and producer then. And the BBC always has these campaigns that we have to do most of them you know what it's like when you get special campaigns at work you take a deep sigh and you think all right we better get this done whereas this campaign was really something special it was really something unique and I as a journalist was assigned to to speak to two families who'd who, who'd got a family member who just disappeared they disappeared they were missing and um and not found they, they'd never found a body they just didn't know what happened to these people and it made such a, an impact on me I'd be dying to to write around those themes for a long time. If you've listened to these diaries for any length of time, you'll know that I've, I've probably talked to you about that project before, and I haven't been able to quite find the vehicle for it. Well, I've got the vehicle for it now. It's Walker Bay Trilogy 2, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. I had some scenes with a lady who had lost her daughter and just, you know, just vanished, and uh, really reflecting on what I saw when I talked to the sister of this lad who disappeared and I remember going into his bedroom and everything was still the same even a couple of years after it disappeared and his sister was still quite choked up about it when she spoke about it and I've, I've written that into a scene into this second book that I'm writing at the moment um you know these things that you carry with you through life that make a big impact on you and this is what I tend to use in my in my fiction so I've got that strong theme in, in this book and so I'm really at the moment I'm just thinking about what the theme of the third Walker Bay trilogy might be even though I know the arc that the characters have to take in their in their personal lives so again penciled in potentially another the three Walker Bays um, I've also got another two shallow falls that I could write to make round off that trilogy it was always conceived as a trilogy the Shallow Falls books I've got another two non-fiction books I told you about those can't remember when I told you about those but they're all sketched out I think I've even got the chapters uh, down for another two non-fiction books and those are um, lightweight it's not the word but those are like the non-fiction books that I've done they're fairly 
fast to rattle off. They don't need me to research anything. They're just uh, brain dumps, effectively, stuff that I already know, uh, which is why they're, they're fairly straightforward to produce. So there's the email one and there's the um, author platform one. So those two books are sketched out and, and ready to go. And also, um, I've got one project that I haven't told you about yet, but this is a, but this is one of these bubbling under things. This is another non-fiction special project. So it wouldn't be part of that series of books that I've done. So it wouldn't it wouldn't form part of the podcasting, the product creation, and the five-figure fiction formula books. It won't be one of those. This is a this was inspired by listening to a non-fiction chap. He, he lives. He, he lives abroad on a boat somewhere, and he was on Mark Dawson's podcast, and he does non-fiction. It was just inspired by listening to that, and I've had this idea bubbling under in my head for a while for a standalone, more substantial non-fiction book. So I told you that my podcast book, my product creation book, my five-figure fiction formula book, these aren't going to be best-selling non-fiction books. I'm going to sell, interestingly, my podcast book has already replaced my what was it? The Mailchimp book. It's without me doing any advertising. It's already replaced the kind of income that was coming from that Mailchimp book, and that it just sits there and it sells a nice number of books in paperback mainly every month. Not setting the you know not setting the world on fire, but it's become a nice little earner very quickly. The other two aren't really doing anything at the moment. And to be honest with you, I haven't really done much with them. I haven't really found uh, where I'm going to sell them yet. Uh, I did have a little dabble with some Facebook ads, but I haven't really. I'm not in the zone yet to to really push those. I'm thinking more about my fiction at the moment than those. And the joy of nonfiction is I can come to it when I'm I'm ready. I'm still selling books, but not any in any number that makes me excited at all. So I, I will need to look at those at some point. Now those those are kind of fairly throwaway nonfiction books. This is a a proper book and the sort of book that could potentially be a, a bestseller. And that it's it's I talk about this in the non-fiction chapter in five-figure fiction formula I, I, I talk about the difference between fiction and non-fiction and, and how people search for non-fiction and, and if you're going to have a, a bestseller type of non-fiction book it needs to be an everyman book uh, it needs to be a book that resonates with many 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 people so for instance a podcast book you're not the slightest bit interested in it if you don't want to run a podcast so you immediately cut off half the world or more than half the world who don't want to touch a podcast the same with a writing book i don't want to be a writer fine well you're never going to be interested in that book and with product creation so with those books you're very much dealing with a, a very uh, not a small a reasonable size subsection of, of the community whereas this fiction book that i've got would be an everyman one it would appeal to a lot of people so again um, I, I, I'm sort of chugging that one away at the back of my head. So I've I got plenty to do is what I'm saying. I've got plenty of things. And the, the other thing I might do if we get to Spain is actually just take a break for a month or two. I might not do anything. I might just admire the scenery for a couple of months. So, you know, all of this is up in the air. I, I've drawn the plans to the end of October, which is to to write and submit to Judy Corden for editing this Morgan Bay trilogy and then to release those books November, December, January, when we get to the box set and then... And then that's going to keep me going for a while. So that's writing and editing news. Let's get to sales and marketing news. And I want to thank Kat Bammer and Lee Wood, who both sent me emails responding to last week's podcast. And they both basically said we've, we're either on forums or Facebook groups or we've got chums in writing who, who had books in KDP Select. And they wrote to Amazon and Amazon 
let them out of KDB Select Jail. Now, last week I was saying to you that I was going to have to wait until I think it was the September the 20th until I, I had complete KDP Select freedom and that all my books were free. And then I was saying to you that when, when that last 12-pack was free from KDP Select, I had the freedom then to submit Left for Dead and Don't Tell Meg as wide listings on BookBub. And until then, I'd have to do them as just KDP Selects. And I was also bemoaning my fate, saying that I'd been constantly rejected and rejected and rejected by BookBub because I, all of my books have been in KDP Select for months and they just haven't, I haven't had a bite from BookBub for ages. So inspired by Lee and Cat, I, I, I mean, I had a long list of books. It was about 10, 10 or 11 books that were still in KDP Select. I wrote all the ASINs, all the ASIN numbers, and uh, said to Amazon, please, will you let me out of KDP Select jail? I, I, I want to align the dates that, that I'm in KDP Select, which, which is true. I want to align those dates, which is what I said to you last week. And I got an email back within 24 hours saying it's done. And it was. I couldn't believe it. Fantastic. Now, I would say to you that sometimes I'm guilty of linear thinking. So my linear thinking in that case was, oh, and, and it's rule-abiding thinking too, isn't it? Because I was just thinking, oh, well, you know, the rules tell me that i got to wait till 20th of September. I'll just wait wait it out and bide my time. And Kat and Lee suggested a different course of action, which hadn't really occurred to me, to be honest with you, because I, I'm so guilty of linear thinking. I gave it a try, and it worked. So every single thriller now is out of KDP Select. So... I immediately, the minute they were out of KDP Select and free, I relisted the Don't Tell Meg trilogy wide. So I had that listed already on all the other channels, but I had um, unpublished those listings uh, to allow me to use KDP Select. So all I did was republish Don't Tell Meg on Kobo, on Drive and everything like that. And with Left for Dead, I'd already got the files in Vellum produced for Kobo and all the others, and I listed left for dead wide and that is the first time since its creation that the Morecambe Bay trilogy has been listed wide. So I listed those wide and I waited to, to get them all published so I got the confirmation to say these are all published now and then I submitted to BookBub and I said to you the, the BookBub order was left for dead because it's never had a BookBub before, don't tell Meg because they love that book and they always do it and then the 12 pack of books. Now the 12 pack of books I'm not giving away for free that would be priced at, uh, it has to be priced at 125 and 199 in the States because Amazon won't let me price it for less. I would like to submit the 10 pack of book, but until that one star review goes away that I told you about last week, and again, this is one of the curses when you've got box sets, it takes you because you've got so many books in there. There's sort of like, there's thousands of pages in, in, in that box set. Once you start selling it, it takes people, even the fast readers, it takes them a certain amount of time to read it. So the reviews will come on the 12 pack of box sets. I've got about 160 reviews, something like that, a lovely number of reviews, but it took them a while to start coming in because there were so many books in that set. Now with the 10 pack, which hasn't been listed very long, all I've got at the moment is that one star review, which isn't even from somebody who read the blasted things. It's just from somebody who said, oh, I ordered this and I've already read most of them. That, it was that review that I was ranting to you about last week. So I can't really list a book and pay money promoting. This is why I'm so frustrated with the review until I start getting some decent reviews on it and that one star is hidden. So that 10 pack is just sort of sitting there. I won't pay for Facebook ads with that one star review. I mean, these reviewers, they don't know what damage they do to us do they when they do things like this they, they do it so casually but it causes us such problems 
I'm just going to sit it out with that 10 pack and wait till I get a couple of decent reviews on it and that and that one star is hidden then I will start to pay to promote it again so I'll tell you about bookbub in a moment or two but another thing I want to tell you about listing wide is I was going to relist on published drive and then I thought to myself I like Publish Drive. You know I like Publish Drive, and you know I like the innovation on Publish Drive. But it takes forever to get your books published on Publish Drive. I've got one of my non-fiction books. I'd only re realised this when I went to, to to list Left for Dead and relist Don't Tell Meg. I got a non-fiction book there that still hasn't published on on Google Drive. I, I must have done it ages ago. It's been so long I forgot all about it. So um, if I have a criticism of Publish Drive, it's that they take forever to get published. Now. I have a Google Play account, and I, I'm pretty sure I told you about this, that I was listening to the Career Author Podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was the 28th of May episode of the Career Author Podcast, and they had an interview with the team from Google Books on. And I've never heard anybody ever talking from Google Books. All I've ever heard about Google Books since I've been in indie publishing is people bemoaning the fact that they're not accepting new uh, authors. I was lucky enough to have an account and I have sold books directly on, on Google Books before. I don't like the money interface particularly. I didn't particularly like the listing interface, but I wanted to get these books listed wide really fast. So Draft the Digital always published really fast, usually within 24 hours. Kobo are usually within 12 hours. And I didn't want to sit there waiting for Publish Drive to, to, to sort of get their act together and confirm that they were published. So this time around, newly inspired by this podcast episode, which I highly recommend you listen to, by the way, it's Career Author Podcast, the Career Author Podcast, and it was the 28th of May episode. Hearing that Google Play are, are, are really look like they're taking this seriously now, much more seriously, and, and impressed by the team that they had on talking about Google Play, I thought, well, I'm coming back to Google Play again. And when you list on Google Play, your book, I don't know how they check the books, but your book is live usually within about 20 minutes. I mean, that you publish, you click publish, and it's almost published immediately and available in Google Play. And that's the kind of speed I wanted, because at the moment, if you think about what's happened at the moment, I've made a lot of money on that 12-pack book. And I can tell you that with the, I'm still Facebook advertising it, but I can tell you that my profit is way down at the moment because I haven't got the reads coming in anymore. All I'm getting at the moment is the sales and the residual reads from people who've already bought it. Now that book's out of KDP Select and I can't get reads on it. So it's although it's just profitable, there's no way am I going to make anywhere near the money I was making on that promo. Now it's out of uh, KDP Select and I can't get the reads on it. Okay, so, 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 so forget that. It's chugging away. It is making money, but it's not making anywhere near the money that it was. So I needed, I need a book bub fast. Um, when, when it's out of KDP Select. So I did not want to wait a week or however long I'd have to wait to get that listed on Publish Drive. So what happened was the minute that KDP Amazon had confirmed that I was no longer uh, confined or restricted to KDP Select, I went straight onto the other channels and listed those books. At the moment I'd got links for Left for Dead, I submitted to BookBub. And the news is, I got a book bub. <laughs> First time of trying on Left to Dead when it was listed wide. So I, I within literally within the week that it's taken me to to broadcast my first podcast episode for Cat and for Lee to suggest that I've turned that round in a week. It's all listed wide, and I've got my book bub. Now they have constantly rejected Left for Dead 
month in, month out when it was on KDP Select. This is what I said to you last week. I, I know I've got to list them wide to stand more of a chance. I mean, you, first time I ever got a BookBub was on Don't Tell Meg, and it was listed in KDP Select at the time. And I would rather have a BookBub when it's listed in KDP Select because the reads are fantastic on that. Um, half my income came from reads uh, when I did that, uh, and it was in KDP Select. So reads are a really important part of your income. But I realised this time that they weren't going to take Left 4 Dead unless I listed wide. So if you think about it, I could not have done this faster. <laughs> this is the first opportunity I've had to list it wide. It went straight in for a BookBub. BookBub were back really quickly. I mean, again, they've been taking ages to get back to me over lockdown, whereas they were straight back to me in a day or two with this one. And I've got my... This is what I've been after ever since I wrote that book, a bookbub on Left for Dead, a first time bookbub on Left for Dead. So that bookbub is going to be on Monday, the 24th of August. The timing's really great too, because I've got a couple of weeks to get ready for it. I'm pleased it's not a really tight time scale. That really suits me having a couple of weeks to prepare for it. So it's two weeks this coming Monday. Now this is funny because I used to I used to bulk at the price of a bookbub. That bookbub um, now I'm using Starling for my banking. It's really good. This when I pay BookBub, I, I get an immediate. I don't have to wait for my bank to convert the dollars and things in Starling. It tells me I pay on BookBub and I get an immediate notification in Starling telling me how much it is in pounds. So I can tell you that that BookBub cost me four hundred and seventy-eight pounds thirty-seven pence. Now it's really interesting how things change because I used to bulk at that. I think oh, five hundred quid. I hope I make that money back. And now my mindset has changed completely because in the past, when I did Don't Tell Meg the first time on a book bub and it was in KDP Select, I made uh, roughly um, up front. Uh, there was always, there's always like three, I, I reckon you get about three months of increased sales on a book bub, at least three months. But I, I made about £5,000 straight away from that book bub. I don't mean the, the same day, but over the course of the month when I was doing most traffic, it was about £5,000 from that book bub. And then when I got the second Don't Tell Meg and it was listed wide that time, I made about £5,000 again. And it was, but it was a combination of, of Amazon. It was Amazon and Apple were the biggest earners. And then there were you know, more, more than I'd ever earned from, from the other, from, from Google, from Kobo and from... Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble was the third, wasn't it? The biggest earner. But Apple and, and Amazon were the largest part of those earnings. And, and I used to really get nervous about that expenditure. Now, I, you know, I can't tell you how nice it is to just pay for that out of cash rather than popping it on a credit card. Uh, that, that was just paid for out of um, sort of cash in hand now. So that's a sign of how things have changed at the moment. But when I was spending a fortune on Facebook ads, I gave you a hint of this last week. I said to you I'd made a spreadsheet monitoring how much I spent on Facebook ads every day since I'd been promoting that 12-pack on, on Facebook and my income so I could work out what my profit was every day. And just to give you an insight, on one day, in one day while I was promoting that 12-pack, I spent £500.31 on Facebook ads in a day and I made £655 in sales. I spent 500 I made 155 in profit. On, on a book bub, you could spend £478, and, and you're going to make reasonably safely a, a 1000 But if I, if I make as much as I have in the past, 5000 from that expenditure. And, and how my mindset has changed. Now, I've been spending all this money on Facebook ads because I can see... That for what you get from that book bub, that's peanuts. 
It's a, it's a peanut spend for potentially a huge return. If I spend that book bub and I only make, what would I have to make? If I made £650 total, then I'd have made as much as I did from Facebook for the same expenditure. But it's usually pretty safe if you get the funnel right that you're going to make a lot more than that from a BookBub promo. So it used to feel expensive and it doesn't now. Okay, so um, I don't know whether I'll get it done this week. I don't know whether I'll, I probably won't get it done this week. Uh, but do check the show notes just in case. It'll either be this week or next week. I have been, uh, I'll make a little video to show you how I'm preparing for this. But last night I got my Left for Dead vellum files. I, I duplicated them and started to create BookBub versions of those files. And so this time, every single nugget of marketing knowledge that I've got is going into this BookBub promo because I want to squeeze as much as I possibly can out of this promo. I've been waiting for a BookBub on Left for Dead since, when did that book get released? November last year? I want a BookBub on that Morecambe Bay trilogy and I've wanted it for a long time. So. I'm going to do my best to, to bleed this dry. So if you think about it now, Left for Dead is going to get given away for free. And I will make my money, hopefully, if people enjoy the book and they download it. I will make my money on book two, Circle of Lies, and book three, uh, Truth Be Told. But I've also got on pre-sale a fourth book in that sequence. And that is the one I, I've just submitted to Julie Cordner for editing. That's Trust Me Once. And by the time that, by the time we get to the um, book, by I might put the second one up, the second, the, well, the fifth, the fifth book in the series, the second book in this current trilogy. But potentially for one free book, I can make another three sales. So instantly I've got more books than I've ever had available. This is, this is how series come in, you see. Now, this is what I'm saying to you about, this is why I'm thinking, should I write a series of nine in Morecambe Bay? Because I give the first book away for free. And then potentially, if you get hooked by the series, you've got another eight that you can buy in the series. And that's where you make a lot of money from a, a single book by promo. And, and that's where I'm going with this now. So when people get left for dead for free on a book bub, they start a four book funnel. That's the start of a four book funnel. So what I did with my files is I've removed all resistance at the front of the book. So at the beginning of Left for Dead, I just want them to read it. I want them to consume it. So I don't want any old nonsense at the front. It's cover, it's contents, it's story. You're straight into the story. Then at the end of the story, in, in the final line of the book, um, I now I, and I have to bear in mind that this is why. In, in the final line of the book, it says, uh, carry on reading circle of lies here and i've got one of these links that you can put in vellum i love these links where you could it's called a store link in vellum and you click the here link on your on your kindle or whatever you're reading it on it will take you to the store link that you buy on automatically so if you're on a kindle it will take you to the amazon store if you're on a kobo it will take you to the kobo store depending on how you bought that file it will take you to your whatever store that you buy from so that's why i love vellum for that so that's right at the end. After the last word of the book, it says, carry on reading by Circle of Lies. And then the next page, if you flick it, uh, it goes to a preview, uh, the pure preview text, the first sort of chapter or so of Circle of Lies. And at the end of that preview text, it says, buy Circle of Lies. <laughs> okay, so I want you to buy Circle of Lies when you read, uh, when you read Left for Dead. And then after that, 
I've got um, Get Charlotte Scrapbook. This is the, the scrapbook opt-in list that I was talking to you about. So in terms of my objectives, when you read Left for Dead, there are two things I want you to do. I want you to buy Circle of Lies and I want you to get Charlotte's scrapbook, so I add you to my list. And I don't think I've done a really good job of this in the past. I've never really had enough sign-ups or subscriptions before um, from BookBubs. So I, I, I'm hoping that this, this scrapbook, because there's such a strong sense of place in those books, I'm hoping that this scrapbook will prove a, a sufficient incentive for readers who are enjoying the book. But the first thing they must do for me to make money is they must buy Circle of Lies, the next book in the series. So my call to actions are super, super focused in this. Now, normally, before in BookBubs, I used to have a also by Paul Teague page at the front of the book. I'm removing that this time because all I want you to do is read the next book with as little nonsense as possible. And right at the end of the book, in, when you've read the last word, I want you to buy the next one. <laughs> I'm asking you to buy the next one. I'm not even making you turn a page to do that. I'm asking you on the last line. Now, I heard somebody talking about that technique in a podcast the other week. I can't remember who it was or which podcast it was, but they were basically saying that they'd, they'd improved the read-through of their books by putting a call to action for the next books right at the end of the, the last sentence of, of the book that somebody had just read to make it as easy as possible. So you don't even have to turn a page to, to buy the next book and, and that's what I'm going for here and I've done the same with Circle of Lies so with Circle of Lies you're straight into the story when you get the book and then at the end of the, the very last sentence it says by truth truth be told is that the book yeah truth be told by truth be told and then you flick the page you get a teaser text for truth be told and then a by truth be told uh, promo at the end of that and then you get another promo to Charlotte's uh, scrapbook you know so really really heavy I, that's that's what I, I want you to buy the next book I want you to subscribe to the list I'm going to try three times to get you to subscribe to the list with that scrapbook <laughs> so I you know I feel like it's a co pretty compelling thing to offer somebody who's enjoyed the book so they got to book three if they haven't got the scrapbook then they ought to have got it by book three so truth be told is the same no nonsense at the beginning of the book straight into the story no hanging around and at the end of the story at the end of truth be told I've got two paths there. This is an interesting one. The next part in the series is Trust Me Once, which is the book that Julie's editing at the moment and which is released in November the 2nd. Now, at the moment, I've got 70 pre-sales on that book. And how many months out are we? Was it also September, October, November? We're three months out and I've got 70 pre-sales on that book. And I'm trying to beat my record of 174 pre-sales on a book. So I want people to order that book. Now... Uh, in November the 2nd, I'm going to be back in KDP Select. When I release that new series, I want the books back in KDP Select for three months because I know I'll sell more and I'll sell them easier in KDP Select. And there's another reason I want to be in KDP Select over Christmas from November, December, January is I want to reef that 12-pack of books with all its beautiful, beautiful 200 and whatever it is, lovely reviews on it. I'm going to be flogging that as a Christmas offer and I want that I want to get the page reads on that over Christmas so my plan is to be out of KDP Select until November November I'm back in it and I want uh, trust me once the, the fourth book in the Morgan Bay series I want that to be in KDP Select so I've got a little bit of a dilemma now but I think I've, I've managed it all right so basically you're going to be able to read the first series wide but it's, it's hard luck if you want to read book four and you're on Kobo because it ain't going to be available yet it will be available in paperback but it won't be available on, on Kobo so 
but the other thing is I, um, you can't I don't think you can pre-release on all the channels anyway not to my knowledge I think you can you can on Apple now I think can't you uh, I'm not sure which of the channels you might be able to do all of them I'm not sure either way it ain't going wide anyway so it, it's all it's all hypothesis anyway because I only I only want it to go in KDP select when I launch that series it can go wide afterwards uh, it, it can have three months in KDP select and then I'll take it out of KDP select in January February whenever whatever the dates are and then I will list the the new Morecambe Bay book the beginning of the next trilogy which will be trust me once I'll then list that for a book bub when, when, when they've had their first season in KDP Select. So there is method to my madness with this. Basically, I want to pivot from page reads and, you know, a big kind of book that is a, is a no-brainer to buy and book bubs. But I don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to commit to either. I want to have my cake and eat it. Book bubs are very lucrative. If you can get one, they make a lot of money in a very quick time frame. Whereas um, when you're doing page reads, uh, you've got to pay for the Facebook ads and you've got quite a lot of financial commitment. So a, a, a book bub is, is an easy win. It's, if you get one, it's, it's easy money. Whereas when, you, when you're pushing for page reads, it's a drip, 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 drip kind of approach. I'm going to talk to you more about that in a moment or two, by the way. So at the end of true, uh, Truth Be Told, I've basically said, you know, pre-order the next book now on Amazon readers only. And then I've made an offer. Um, this is why I've been aligning the books. When I re-edited the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I just aligned it to the Morecambe Bay universe a little bit closer. So I never mentioned what the city was in the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, and it's now Lancaster. And I've just, I've just done a little, a couple of little things in the books that make the Don't Tell Meg trilogy easily part of the Morecambe Bay universe. I've I've crossed characters and things like that. So at the end of Trust Me, not Trust Me Once, Truth Be Told, struggling with my book titles again, Morecambe Bay 3, I also say um, you can find out or read more about characters Stephen Terry and DCI Kate Summers in the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And then, and of course, that's listed wide at the moment. And so they can carry on reading that. So my my aim, my funnel, is to download Left 4 Dead for free. When you've read Left 4 Dead, I want you to read A Circle of Lies. When you've read Circle of Lies, I want you to read Trust, uh, Truth Be Told. When you've read Truth Be Told, if you're an Amazon reader, I want you to pre-order Trust Me Once. If you're not an Amazon reader, I want you to start reading Don't Tell Meg. And in actual fact, I also want you to start reading Don't Tell Meg if you are an Amazon reader, because you, you, you're not going to get that new book for a couple of months. So that's what I'm pushing for. And remember, Don't Tell Meg is wide as well at the moment. So that's the aim. Now, what, what I will do is, uh, I don't think I'll get it done this week, but I might get it done for next week. I'll, yeah, I'll do it for, I'll, let's say, even if I record it this weekend, I'll release it next week. I'll show you a little video just showing you how I make the vellum files and what I've done in the vellum files to prepare for this book bub. But every time I do a book bub, I, I learn stuff and I hone my technique. And this is the best way that I can think of to squeeze as much as I possibly can out of this book bub deal. And the other thing I can tell you about book bubs is there's nothing quite like your first book bub deal on a book. So um, I, I, I had two bites of the cherry with Don't Tell Meg because it was in KDP Select first time, that was about 5K, that I made 5K the second time when it was in Amazon and all the other channels. So I had two bites of the cherry there. And then although the earnings have always been good for the book bubs on Don't Tell Meg, they 
they declined because more people have seen that book. They never, I didn't reach 5,000 again. I think it was something like, you know, 3,000 and then maybe down to 2,000. So, you know, it, it goes down. It's still good, but it goes down. Now, also, I'm planning on having these books out of KDP Select in August, September, October. I'm planning on putting them in back in about the end of October. And I'm hoping in that three-month window to get a book bub on Left for Dead and Don't Tell Meg. Now, they, they like Don't Tell Meg. They, they, they've they they've done Don't Tell Meg about four times, I think, now. I've had book bubs on that. But it hasn't had a book bub for about a year. In September, I think it was. I, I hope I'm not getting mixed up. I think it was a year ago in September, the last Don't Tell Meg book bub I had. I think that's right. So what I want to do in this three-month period, out of KDB Select, squeeze a Left for Dead book bub out, squeeze out a Don't Tell Meg book bub. I then can't have those in book bub for another six months. And so during that six months, well, I'm going to go into KDP Select for another three months at least, which allows me then to thrash that 12-pack again, to thrash my box sets. I'm, I'm having success selling box sets at 99p on Facebook too, by the way. They're, they're going pretty well on, uh, on, on, uh, on, on Facebook as well, not just the 12-pack. So I'll talk to you about that a little bit more later. But uh, box sets are going well at 99p on Facebook too. So I, I do like the Facebook ads, but I would rather, it's more lucrative when you can get page reads on Facebook. That's basically, now another thing I am going to try by the way, and this occurred to me the other day too. Oh, that's interesting because now that that 12 pack book is out of KDP Select, I could actually start targeting it in Canada. Um, I think I told you this in the, in the diary. I said that I'd had some moans when I was advertising the 12 pack in Canada, people say, why isn't this available on Kobo? And then it suddenly twigged. Oh, that's because Kobo's bigger in Canada than Amazon is. And so look where the, go where the low hanging fruit is. It would make sense to me to sell that 12 pack on Kobo in Canada and targeted at Kobo readers. So um, I'm going to try some Facebook ad experiments while I'm listed wide and to see see what I could do with that 12 pack to see if I can get it out to a slightly different audience as well but I haven't started work on that yet then my next focus is the book bub okay we'll take a little break in a moment or two let me just tell you about a couple of other things that are related to sales and marketing I've had another email from Amazon this week saying that they'd like to nominate one of my titles for a Kindle deal and they say if it's selected uh, if it's featured I'll be advertised and promoted by Amazon in the Indian store. Now, I've had one of these before. I can't quite remember what book it was on. I thought it was on that book, but the, the time frame's slightly different. And I remember reading a post by Mark Dawson saying, if you get one of these, just say yes. You don't have to put your book in KDP Select for it. And they just manage the pricing in, in India. So I really don't care. I don't make an awful lot. I, I do all right in India when I've got a book bub on. I actually sell quite a few in India when I've got book bubs on. But I don't really sell many in India and any other time. So it's no skin off my nose if, if, if Amazon think they can make some money from that 12 pack in India. So basically, they say that the deal will run at some point between September the 1st and December the 30th. Amazon will handle the price updates during this period. All I have to do is not delist my book from Amazon. I don't have to put it in KDP Select. The only condition is you've got to keep listing on Amazon. You can't take it off Amazon or unpublish it in that time. Well, it, it won't get unpublished in that time. So that's absolutely fine. So who knows what's going to happen? I've just said yes, I signed the document and hopefully at some point I might get a little flurry of sales in India. I just wanted to let you know that I'm having success with location-based ads on Facebook at the moment. So I listed one last chance this week. For friends who lie, I've, I've tried before, even before I had the, the good sales success here. And my Left for Dead box set's doing really well at the moment. My It's just a 
box set of three. So what I've done is Left 4 Dead is based around Morecambe Bay. One Last Chance is based on the Solent Forts down near Portsmouth. And Friends Who Lie is based in Benidorm. And what I've done is I've targeted localised audiences. So I've, I've targeted, so for instance, with last, One Last Chance, I've targeted people within a 30-mile radius of Portsmouth. And the Solent Forts, these three amazing, I think it's three forts, amazing forts in the Solent. Um, you can see them from, from, from Portsmouth out at sea. And two of them, I think it's two of them have been done up amazingly. You can stay there. They're like hotels at sea. And that's what my, my books are based on. So basically, I, I found that in Canva, there were some pictures of these Solent Forts. So there were licensed pictures of the Solent Forts, which is really important for copyright reasons. So I made a couple of trails. And um, Lee, I think this was you again, um, Lee Wood, said that he'd had some success with his Facebook ads. He'd put a 99 pence or cents sticker on them. And Lee, I've been trying that just to let you know, and that's going well. I, I'm doing that now. I'm putting the pictures of the books on, but I'm also putting the price on, and that does seem to be uh, working very well. So that's a little Facebook ads tip for you. Just put the, the price on. I have a nice little kind of red wax stamp on it with a nice clear 99 pence or 99 cents on there so that people can very quickly get to grips with what your ad is about um, visually. So yeah, one last chance, 30 mile radius of Portsmouth with Left for Dead. I'm targeting readers uh, within something like, I think I've gone 50 miles out now from Morecambe. And in Friends Who Lie, I've got two, two audiences. I've got um, English speaking people who live in Benidorm or around Benidorm. And I've got people in England who have an interest in Benidorm. Now with the One Last Chance book, and the Left 4 Dead box set. I've targeted it geographically, but I've also said those audiences need to have an interest in crime and thrillers. You know, so it's, I'm not just targeting it generally. I, I want people who live in that radius who like the kind of books that I write. And the Morecambe Bay ones um, are going brilliantly. I'm getting so many comments. I'll, I'll read one to you later on when we've taken the questions this week. Um, but I get lovely comments from people on those Morecambe Bay books. They go, oh, it's lovely reading about locations that we know about. And, and people have shared stories with me about the holiday camp. Uh, they used to go there or, or somebody even worked there and was asking if I knew their uncle because he was there when I was there at some point. Absolutely fascinating. A lovely, lovely response to those Morecambe Bay books. And so if ever I was in any doubt about geographically lo locating my titles that's been well and truly blown away now people seem to really love the location element um, in the book so I'm playing that up now and I'm reflecting it in my advert so again a question to ask yourself is, is are you using location in your books and could you then super target those books to the local audience I'll be frank with you and I've told you this before I, they're not going to hold it this year the um the crime festival they have at the Midland Hotel in Morecambe clearly for obvious reasons they're not holding that this year but I hope if they hold it the year after I really want to be there talking about my Morecambe Bay books and I'm trying to create a buzz locally so that uh, people locally in Morecambe, in Morecambe area know I've written those books and I, I want to get a bit of a reputation um, for having written them and uh, you know these ads are really helping with that uh, as, as you'll hear a bit later on when I, I talk about a comment that I got this week on my ads one last thing then before we move on and uh, thanks to Dan Sewell who contacted me via Twitter. I mentioned to you last week this Linktree um, service that you can get and I was basically promoting it to you as, it, as 
uh, something you can use on Instagram or on social media because normally in your profile on social media you'd like to say here's my website here's my Facebook page you know here's my Amazon author page and you haven't got room for that you've only got a limited number of characters and what this link tree service does is it allows you it gives you a link that you can share on your social media profile but it allows you to add several links in a, in a, in a visually pleasing way onto one page so you give people one link and they can access all of your links it's like it's almost like an email auto signature well dan just dropped me a note this week to say he's found another one and it actually looks slightly it's slightly more visual than linktree but it does the same thing it almost gives you a, a mini website slightly more complex than linktree um, and it's called card.co now it's one of these funny spellings again c-a-r-r-d card.co.co so it's card.co forward slash build. Now, I will put that link on this week's show notes for this episode, um, episode two, season two, so that you don't have to go hunting for it. But it's worth checking that out. If you found the link tree suggestion useful or of interest, it's worth checking out card.co to see if that's more to your taste. So thanks very much, Dan, for passing that on. OK, we'll take a short break and then we're going to move on to your indie author questions. This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the Alliance of Independent Authors, Ally, which is the professional business membership organisation for self-publishing authors. Now, I've found that I usually cover the cost of my membership by using the special codes that they give out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Just use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership will be paid for. However, Ally is much, much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences, which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds and they go to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the essential professional membership service for all indie authors, just head over to paulteague.com forward slash ally. That's A-L-L-I. Just a reminder of that link then, if you want to ask me a question, it's paulteague.com forward slash question. That will redirect you to the recording section. And so long as you've got a microphone, you could do it on your mobile phone. You could do it on your computer. I'm not taking questions by email. I'd like you to record them so it creates some useful show content that we can share with everybody else. But if you've got a question to ask, uh, that's great. Try and keep it to writing, if you will. Um, I realise I got a little bit off piece this week talking about podcasts, which is not really of general interest for this show. So try and keep it to writing, self-publishing, if you would, I'd appreciate that. Let's move on to general writing news. And uh, I got that email that I mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast from Kat Bammer. And Kat was just sharing uh, the news of a Facebook group that she's part of where people have written to Amazon to get their books out of KU. But there was something else I wanted to mention about Kat's email. Kat has just had a 1,000 euro, I think that, you think you meant euros, Kat, a 1,000 euro month. And um, she's attributed that entirely to the tips on my podcast. So uh, she said, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Um, thank you for the credits and the shout out, Kat. But I have to say that anything that you use in this podcast and any success you get as a result of anything you heard in this podcast, I would congratulate you on your own efforts because there'll be a lot of people who listen to this and it just goes in one ear out the other. And there'll be other people who listen to this, make notes and think, oh, that's interesting. I'll give that a try. I'll give that a try. And I'll give that a try. And it's the people who put it into action 
and try stuff and there's no guarantee it's ever going to work you know it might work for me it might not work for you but it's the people who try stuff and try and move the needle that are going to have those 1000 euro months cat so i just wanted to congratulate you on that i can remember and those of you who've been with me for a long time i can remember my first thousand dollar month and then my first thousand pound month what i would say to you is and i've said this to somebody else who just made their first book sale fairly recently there's a rule in internet marketing that once you've made your first online sale the rest is just replicating that once you once you see that you can make money online you've just got to learn how to do more of it and it's the same with these thresholds. Once you hit that thousand threshold, that's a real magic number cat. That's a real achievement, a huge achievement, because you're not just selling a couple of books to your mates now. You're out of that now. You're selling to hit a thousand dollars, a thousand euros, a thousand pounds a month. You've got to be selling to people who don't know who you are. You're not selling to your mates anymore. You are marketing and selling to people who didn't know you beforehand. You are doing what you need to do. You're learning the tricks that are required for success in this business and all you got to do is do more of it to get to 2000 to 4000 to 5000 and then to 10000 and you just got to keep doing more of what you're doing so congratulations for that thank you for uh, saying that you thought that that was because of my tips but i would say to you it's because of your effort cat it's because of your efforts and the things that you did that got you to that 1000 euro month congratulations it's always great to share success stories like that I had a lovely response to my Morecambe Bay books this week on Facebook. So I said to you just before we did the author questions that I'd had, I'll get a lovely response to these geographical ads. And uh, I won't mention the gentleman's name, but I'll just read or pracy what he, he wrote. He said, I came across these books, which is my Morecambe Bay trilogy, as I was looking for holiday reading material. All three are set in and around Morecambe. Great reads that have you rooting for the main characters. And as the story is set in Morecambe, it feels like it actually happened. And he then, he, he mentions, he does an at mention of somebody, who's again, whose name I won't say on the podcast. But I looked up this chap, and this chap actually works on the Morecambe newspaper. Now, the Morecambe newspaper is called The Visitor. And I've read this for years, you know, when I lived in... Lancaster and Morecambe, I used to get it. And, and I've got a reporter who, I, I don't use the visitor as the, as the local newspaper because when I have, if I have murders and all sorts of things going on, I can't be naming real life businesses for reasons of, of, of libel. So I, I've come up with a completely fictional paper. So the, the, the local paper in my books is called the Bayview Weekly. Um, but he, he just says to this chap who used to work on the visitor, he says, dare I say, one of the heroes is a local newspaper journalist. So he's put a smiley face next to that. So he's obviously sort of seen the similarities with the local paper. So he goes on to say it feels really familiar due to the location. Some poetic license has been taken, but you can picture every scene. Yeah, I mean, you have to take poetic license. So, for instance, I have scenes set at Morecambe Port. Um, I had a look at Morecambe Port. They don't have the great big um, contraptions that you need to move containers that I would have liked that you have at bigger ports but you know I, I needed that in the story so it's a reasonable bit of poetic license to take so I do take poetic license in the books but they are very firmly rooted in in the locality and he said they could make this into a series that would more than rival the bay now that is the way to sweet talk me um, I've had a lot of people who said um, there's a tv series called the bay and it was watching that that made me and seeing all the local scenes in Walker that made me think that I that I had this story. It's nothing like the Bay, but it just inspired me to write this story because obviously I know the area so well and I felt like I had a story to tell. So when people say to me it's better than the Bay on telly, that makes me really happy. 
So he says, have a read. It's on Amazon to download and it's on offer at the moment. The author spent time at Lancaster University in the 80s and worked at Middleton Towers where book one is centred. If you're looking for an easy read and you love our town, download the trilogy. A second trilogy is being written at the moment and I'm looking forward to it. Then he goes on to say, Paul Teague, if you're visiting the area again or you need a geographical proofreader, get in touch. I'd love to meet you. So I dropped this chap a line and said... Uh, get on my email list because I'd be very happy to have a geographical proofreader and this is somebody to basically say you know, to give you um, obviously I go and visit the locations but it's great to have somebody local who says you know, did you realize you've got this here or did you realize you've got that there now this chap has shared that that post he shared it in a Lancaster and Morecambe uh, Facebook group and so I've joined that group now and I have to say that a lot of the photographs that people are posting there there was certainly one there that made me think, ooh, now that is a nice location for a murder. So, uh, you know, isn't it funny how these things come about? But that's from me running geographical adverts, getting some really lovely feedback from those. I alluded to this a little bit earlier on. Uh, I was saying to you that in my marketing, you get these great uh, momentum creators, like a BookBub advert. And then you've got Facebook ads, which help you to keep things ticking over over a period of time and Kirsten Oliphant who presents the creative writing podcast you know I'm a big fan of Kirsten's I, I love her podcast and it's very very marking marketing oriented Kirsten this week talks about that she, she's talking about how do you sustain sales and, and you'll know that that's where I am at the moment how do you keep when you've hit those five figure months I'm out of five figure months at the moment by the way and and I, I can't see that I'll return to them for, for some for some time now but how do you sustain your sales month in, month out? And and so this is what Kirsten's talking about in last week's episode. She, she called it How to Keep Consistent Book Sales. And she introduced a concept there, which I think is really interesting. She calls it boom and bloom. What Kirsten says is you need a combination of booms. And booms are, frankly, things like a, a, a book book promo. Things that you can't rely on. I've said this to you before in, in the podcast episodes. The thing about... Um, bookbub promos is they are beautiful they're things of beauty they bring in a lot of money they are fantastic you should try and get a bookbub promo definitely they always move the needle bookbub promos but you can't rely on them you can't build a business around bookbub promos you can't guarantee getting one you just you see what it's like i haven't had one for months i've had a real you know it's been a real desert of bookbub promos and now out of the blue i've got another one and that'll bring in a great income month but i can't rely on that i can't budget around bookbubs so as Kirsten says that is a boom event it's brilliant we need booms we need the booms but also we can't rely on the booms we need to concentrate too on the blooms and the blooms are the slower things that we do to keep the sales coming in and ticking over and the blooms are the Facebook ads that's where you they're not going to bring a massive amount of traffic in but they are going to keep those sales steady and your income steady so i really recommend that you take a look at that the post the blog post is called how to keep consistent book sales it's creative writing from kirsten oliphant and it was last week's episode just get your head around this boom and bloom she talks a lot of sense in that and kirsten had she had i think she had a maybe a single or two five-figure months but she was just ahead of me in, in moving her business on and she thought that when she had her first five-figure month she thought oh, this is it now I'm here I'm here and then she was very disappointed to find that the sales 
you know, dropped and, and they're at a good level. So I think she's had a $5,000, $6,000 a month this month. So they're at really good levels still. That's a really good income level. But she, like me now, is very preoccupied and saying, well, look, hang on, I've had, I know I can do these high income levels now. How can I try and make this more sustainable month in, month out? And that's very much what I'm looking at at the moment. And that's really what I'm sharing with you on the podcast at the moment is how I'm tackling that and what I'm doing about that to, to try and keep a good level of sales going on a, on a sustainable basis now. I also wanted to share with you, I'll put the links for these, by the way, on the show notes for this week. I spotted a an interesting article in a website called vice.com. I haven't got a clue why it's called vice.com. It's nothing dodgy, honestly. But the article is called, Can You Make Money uh, Writing a Book, Writing an E-Book? And it's about a guy. I was interested in it because he he tried his hand at internet marketing. He was basically trying to make money online. He tried his hand at internet marketing. And like most people in internet marketing, so, some people make a lot of money. Some Most people just make a handful of sales and then give it up. That's most people's experience. And that's it's probably true to say that about indie authors as well but this guy had tried to make money writing an ebook and he'd written a non-fiction ebook and it's really talking about it's just it's a really interesting book on self-publishing and he does make money from an ebook and it inspires him he makes more money from writing ebooks than he did from internet marketing but I, I just it just felt like a story of our times of a guy who was trying to make a bit of money online I think he's a journalist, he's a writer, he doesn't have any problem writing. He wrote a non-fiction book. It wasn't even a very long non-fiction book. Found that he could make a few sales, learned a little bit about marketing, and now he's offered his sold some books. He's very happy with what he's achieved. So I, I just share that with you. It, it's for interest, really. I'm not sure whether we can learn anything from it, but I did find it an interesting article. Just to finish off with this week, I wanted to give you a Spain update just to let you know what's going on because it, it's happening all around me at the moment. <laughs> Spain is happening all around me. Uh, we had the first of our special collections this week and uh, uh, we had some big stuff going. So um, our dishwasher is defunct. I, I won't replace it now. I I'll replace it if we don't go to Spain, but I'm not replacing it in between now and Spain. So our dishwasher went out. Uh, one of our settees went out. And this is a settee. When you've got young kids, you'll know that your furniture just gets wrecked. This settee, I don't know why we kept it, actually. We should have got rid of it ages ago. It's had a throw at it. That's why I've forgotten about it. But my youngest child, I, I remember coming in before we moved to this house, and my youngest child had a fork from the kitchen table and was burrowing a hole in the arm of this chair. <laughs> if, you've had, if you've had kids in your house, you'll know how distressing it is at times. And they do they just do crazy things sometimes. Uh, you know, however, however well brought up they are, they just do crazy things sometimes. Anyhow, that um, that sofa got collected this week and uh, a wardrobe of my child who's gone off to see friends over summer, that wardrobe's gone now because, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is, is old and it's time to refresh it. So we're getting rid of it and then we'll refresh it when we come back. It's a good opportunity for a clear out. I also got rid of my exercise machine this week. Now, uh, and my... The, the filing cabinet that used to be to my right with four shelves in it, uh, I got rid of that. Now, they didn't go to the tip. The filing cabinet and the exercise machine went on one of these local buy and sell sites. I didn't, I, I just give them away. I just don't, I can't be bothered. You know, for what, 30 quid, 20 quid, who cares? I just would rather get rid of the thing. So um, somebody came to pick them up. They'll probably sell them on and make some money out. And I'm quite happy with that. But I got rid of them and I didn't have to scrap them. So I, I was happy with that. So we're getting rid of big stuff. My wife went to the tip. She got rid of, I think it was, I don't know how many bags it was this week. She got rid of a load of bags of rubbish. And we're booking another two trips to the tip next week. So we're really clearing out a lot of stuff. And what I would say is 
this is going to happen whether we go to Spain or not. You know, the kids, all the kids are at university from September. They're all away from home. And this is happening regardless of whether we go to Spain. We are reducing our stuff. We're getting rid of all the junk and stuff that we've collected. And we want to be much more minimalist. So it doesn't matter whether we go to Spain or not. This is a, it's a really good time for us to review stuff and throw junk out and get rid of furniture that's seen better days. You know, the kids have had stuff in their rooms for a long time. It's a really great place and time to take stock. So that's going on all the time at the moment. I have a Spanish bank account now that was sorted during this week. So I, I have a Spanish bank account with euros in it and it's registered to the address that we're going to be staying in when we're in Spain, if we get to Spain. I also have Spanish health insurance via Sanitas, and that's the Spanish equivalent of Bupa. So if we're going to stay there for any length of time, more than three months after Brexit, we have to have uh, proper health care that's approved. Um, and it has to be of the same standard that the state health care is. Now, if you, if you subsequently stay in Spain and start to pay tax, then obviously you get that healthcare but while you're there and you're not a Spanish citizen you've sort of got not got the normal citizen rights to be there then we have to have this private health insurance so that is all queued up and teed up for my wife my wife and I from the 1st of November now those are the two big things that we need to have to get our what's called a TIE which is a new um, bit of documentation we need if we're going to stay in Spain over three months um, and so at the moment we could stay we could if we, if we can get there in the first place we can stay there november and december and that we're in the eu then that that isn't contentious after the first of january we can stay there to the end of march under the new rules which is three months we can stay there for three months and if we want to stay there any longer or if we want to go back within a 180 day period then we need to have this TIE. And while we're out there, we're going to try and get this, this TIE, this piece of documentation that basically says we kind of come and go in Spain um, as we please. If I stay there for more than half the year, I got to pay tax in Spain. Uh, but it means basically I want the ability to stay longer than three months. Um, you know, we want to winter there. That's what I want to do is winter there. And um, so I don't want to just winter for three months. I want to winter for five or six months. So that's really why we're after this particular piece of documentation. So I've now got the two core pieces of documentation I need. I also have the translator booked so that when we go to Spain, we could go to the police station. I think it's the police station we go to and we could get all this stuff underway. And I've started printing out things like house deeds and um, you know evidence of my BBC pension, evidence of income from the business, evidence of my wife's income, all these things that we might need to be flashing at people uh, as part of that process. So we're making lots of um, progress behind the scenes. I've sold, um, all my CDs now are ripped uh, onto, my, onto my computer. So they're all on, on my hard drive. I am not going to have CDs anymore. So, I, but what I've done is I've I have actually saved CDs that have um, that are special to me. So my favourite groups and, and things that have an emotional attachment. So I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But we've got rid of loads of CDs, and I've sold CDs and got rid of books on Zifit and Music Magpie. And these are really great um, app-based sites. And my kids taught me about this actually because my my kids sell things on these sites. It, it, you 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 download the app. And you go through all your books and you scan the barcodes and then Zifit will say to you, you know, we'll give you pound for that book. We'll give you one pound 20 for that book. And you go scan, 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 scan. You get a whole list of books. You put them in a box. Zifit say we'll give you 25 quid for all those books. 
they they give you um, you say yeah I'll do that I'll take that offer and they send you an email with your with a, a number on it actually just has a number on it and they send somebody round to your house to pick up the box and then they check the books make sure that they're of a reasonable condition and then they send you the check and I had a check from Ziffit this week and then I also discovered Music Magpie which is exactly the same for CDs I didn't want to throw the CDs out I've saved the ones that I want to save but we've got loads of CDs I sent a box of about 80 CDs to Music Magpie and they've paid me for those so that's a great way of getting rid of stuff if you want to get rid of it but as I say all those CDs are ripped um, you know I'm listening to music in a different way now I could, we all consume music in a different way I don't need to physically have those CDs unless they're, they're sort of very special CDs and I've saved those ones too so I have also paid my deposit for the container storage that we're going to use to empty the house. So I want to leave the house empty so it can rent. You know, these houses need to rent. There's no point leaving them empty over Christmas. So the, um, all, that, all the gear is going into a container. And we've, we've got these containers that are sort of specially kitted out with special floors and things. And they're all locked and you can go any hour of day. And I've got that from the 1st of October. I might bump that to September, but I think October will be fine. Because we'll be all packed up then. And I'll move the boxes in first. And then I'll see what furniture we can get in. And then if I can't get any furniture in, I'll have to go and get scrapped or, or taken to a sort of recycling place. So... The last thing we've done is we were going to stay in apartments in Benidorm. And when I saw sort of hotels and apartments closing down because of COVID, what we decided to do instead is we've hired a private villa now rather than an apartment. So we've, we've now got a private villa, uh, not in Benidorm actually, we're in Torrevieja now. So we've, we've moved down the coastline to Torrevieja. But this came up in my Facebook feed, beautiful villa. Um, that has an extra bedroom in from the apartment and costs less than the apartment. And I said to my wife, what do you reckon? She said, yes, let's do that. So we, we know Torrevieja because I, I got a cousin down there. We've, we've toured, we know all that coastline. So what we've done, the, the thing about having a private house for five months is that it's not going to have to close in the way that an apartment will. So if they have a big outbreak in Spain of COVID and they have to start shutting all the hotels and things down again, we would be vulnerable to that with the apartments because the apartments were shut down. Um, and I can't have that happening. I need to be as sure as I can that I can get out there and that I'm going to get into my accommodation. So because it's a private booking, you know, clearly, clearly, if we had to self-isolate for 14 days, that would be easy in a private house. We've used the online ordering in Spain before. Uh, is it Mercadona? I think it's the Mercadona do the, um, the house deliveries. We've used them before when, when we're in Spain, so we're familiar with that. So if we have to 14-day isolate when we get to Spain, that's fine. It's in a private house. That isn't going to close. Um, it's just like a normal rental as if you would rent in the UK. So I think that gives us a greater chance of actually making it out there and getting the booking, whatever happens. And the good news is, is that the, the people who have the apartment that we booked, I'm just bumping that money's held in the account and we're going to bump a visit to Benidorm at the end of Torrevieja. So if we can stay beyond March, if I get this document that I need, if we get out there in the first place, then we're going to, we're going to use up the booking that we had in the apartments. We're going to use that up in Benidorm. So we'll, we'll nip up from Torrevieja to Benidorm. I think, I think it gives us, certainly gives us a month. I've booked in five I've booked in five weeks. I think I got three weeks in the pot. And then we will find if we settle out there, if we decide to stay rather than come back to the UK, we want to be Benidorm area. We want to be in an area called um, Albira Altea. That's where we want to be, which is just out the way of all the mayhem in the summer. Just sort of slightly nicer, quieter coastal towns. Um, but but um, just along the tram from 
uh, Benidorm. So th th those are the long-term plans. So um, I just wanted to give you an update on that to let you know that you know while all the writing's going on, everything else, there's this massive project. Project Spain is going on in the background, and I still don't know if we're going to get out there. I still don't know if you know we take we take a, a risk with this that the flights not might not be available to us. Um, I know that we could jump on Eurostar. We could do it on Eurostar if we need to. We've also we could take a boat to Santander and then train it down. So I, I've looked at all the permutations here, and we still don't know whether my wife's got a career break. So uh, again, if the wife doesn't get a career break, we've got to decide whether. I mean, I'd rather she had a career break, but we might just say, well, "All right, then we're going to go anyway." Um, so you know, we've, we've got all these decisions to make. But if we don't go to Spain. The house will be very tidy <laughs> and we'll have sorted through all this stuff and it's still the right time to do it whether we go to Spain or not. So I just thought I'd give you a little insight into what's happening with Spain. I still really want to get out there. I've, I've got all the big things in place now, all the big stuff's in place. We need to know about my wife's career break because then we have to have a long conversation about are you going to give up the job anyway? Is it time to just stop work now um, and we'll just go to Spain anyway? Or not so we need to have that conversation if she doesn't get the career break and and then if we go to Spain anyway of course we then have to watch very closely the situation with flights and transports and lockdowns and I'm not worried about the 14-day quarantine because I'm not at work inverted commas at work the 14-day quarantine isn't a problem for me it's not it won't be a problem for my wife either so so, so we don't have to worry about that as long as we can travel we don't need to worry about that we can self-isolate easily if we have to as I said to you before, I've got some editing to do in the first 14 days when I'm out in Spain anyway. So the last edit of the last Walk of Bay book before that gets released. So it won't be a problem. So there you go. I just thought I'd bring you up to date with that. <laughs> that is it for another podcast diary. It's a long one. I told you last week there wouldn't be one as long as that. But I hadn't expected to get more questions in. You're welcome to ask questions. Um, please make them about self-publishing writing if you can just to keep it on topic. I don't want people tuning out because I'm answering questions and other things, but uh, you're welcome to ask questions if you want to. Uh, I've got another 10,000 words to write this week, possibly more. I'll have another update for you next week. Speak to you soon. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.com forward slash podcast. If you want to record a question for me to answer on the show, head for paulteague.com forward slash question. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paulteague. That's it for this week's show. Thanks very much for listening and I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, bye-bye for now. <laughs>